All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Ed You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic. Check them out on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs, so be sure to go check them out retail location in Surrey as well, along with free shipping on any order over $50 Canada wide. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer as always is Alex Allard. This is the Canucks Conversation podcast. And Chris, uh, we have some, we have a game to talk about. We said we'd talk about it uh, after. Do do you have anything off the top? Because I know you like to sometimes talk about other stuff uh, off the top here. Sometimes I like to do that. Yeah, I do have something. So, it's St. Patrick's Day today. I see you're wearing your green. Good for you. My gray, my green looks a little right. gray on camera here. This doesn't look great, but I got the beads on as well, showing it off. Because uh, St. Patrick's Day, usually, typically, one of my favorite uh, holidays. or is it? It's not even a holiday. Favorite uh, party day, I guess, of the year. One of my best friend's birthday is always on the same weekend as St. Patrick's Day. So growing up, he always had 
you know, back when we were in high school, he always had the party at his house. Parents, some for some reason, left their house all the time uh, during during St. Patrick's Day. And we always had the best parties there back in the day. I'm saying it. So I've always had good memories on St. Patrick's Day. I uh, will not be having them this year, unfortunately, though, because I'll be still stuck in the house. Uh, but that's okay. Do you have any Do you have any fun uh, St. Patrick's Day memories? What's St. Patrick's Day mean to you, Quads? I don't know. I wear green. I'm wearing green because we went out. Uh, we went to the Hard Bean Brunch place in Port oh. Moody. And I, I've told you about this place before. Uh, it, it is fantastic. We managed to get out there. Uh, it was it was a good time. They have a little St. Patrick's Day menu. I had a flight, a Bailey's St. Patrick's Day coffee flight. And it was really good. There was like red velvet, salted caramel, uh, something else. Can't remember the other two. But it was good. It was really good. Hold on. Uh, it was a good time. And that's why I'm wearing green. How many coffee? You're talking this morning. How many of these uh, Bailey's coffees did you have this morning? They're little. They're yeah, little yeah. coffees, right? It's like a flight. It's not full coffees. I didn't drink four full coffees. Well, I was, and I also split them I was uh, with say, my girlfriend. So The way you were stumbling through the intro there, I was wondering how much Bailey's you've had this morning. Uh, a little bit too much in the morning there. <laughs> Sounds like well, St. Patrick's Day is off to a hot start for quads over here. Look, I'm tired. Okay, I'm just tired. Like I'm tired. Last night was a it was a it was a busy night with the dog. I'm not going to get into it. I'm a little tired today. That's all I'm going to say. And you know what? I got to edit stanchies, right? Like I got to do stanchies, and the dog doesn't realize that I'm on stanchies. That I have to uh, stay up late and all that sort of stuff. So, dog doesn't get it, which is fine. But yeah, that's why I'm a little bit tired today. But anyways, enough about that. Let's get to it here. Uh, the first heading. Team Tank survives. The Canucks losing last night to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, wh- what did you think about that game, Chris? First of all, Alex, get the video up and hit it. Let's go. Team Tank's back alive. Look at that. Oh, full power, full steam ahead. Big loss to the Coyotes. Look at the tank rolling on through. It's back, baby. Yeah. Canucks were buried in the second period there. That's what it felt like. Tell you what, I was I was thinking going into the game, seeing the early goal from Kuzmenko, and I talked about it on yesterday's show a little bit. It, it felt nice to like just watch the Canucks play well, like you know play play good hockey and win some games here and there. But it felt even better to watch them lose to the Coyotes yesterday and actually have something mean to the tank, right? Like it really did because they moved up a spot. Uh, the the Blues, I believe, passed them. So now you got the Canucks kind of sneaking back into that top five area. That's where you want to be, man. You want to be in that top five, and if the Canucks can finish up there, not even if they win the lottery, if they can just finish with, like, the fifth worst record in the league, you're getting a star. Like, you're absolutely getting a star. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. But though I was catching a little bit of the buzz on the Canucks winning and enjoying watching it, seeing zero points after the game, it, it made me feel a little bit better, I think. I, I think Team Tank's still alive. Team Tank's still well. I'm still on board. That's fair. I think uh, my playoff dream that I threw out there yesterday, <laughs> I think the playoff dream might be over because now if they win out, it's 93 points. I think after every every loss, Chris, I'm going to come out and say, now it's 91 points if they win every game. Now it's 89 if they win every game and so on and so forth. Uh, 93 points if the Canucks win every game from here on out. So probably not enough to make the playoffs. 95 probably wouldn't have been either. But yes, of course, you just mentioned it. Uh, the St. Louis Blues passing the Canucks in the tankathon standings, uh, tied at 63 points with the Coyotes. But the Coyotes do have two games in hand. This is a developing story, folks, and it's one we'll be keeping an eye on uh, for the remainder of the season uh, is the tank for sure. Absolutely. All right, you can kill that thing, Alex. I know Alex, loved, he loves nothing more than playing this tank video, which I appreciate that about him. Um, all right. Yeah, Canucks, like I said, I feel like they played... Pretty good in the first period. I think aside from the power plays, right? Like going over three in the first period there on the power plays, that's going to bite you in the ass no matter what, especially in a game where, you know, adding a couple goals, getting up two nothing would have been massive for the Canucks uh, in that game yesterday. But it was, you know, like, I don't, to me, it's the same thing. It's like, uh, I saw somebody in the chat there. I'm away from the chat here now, but it said it was a perfect game last night, right? You get some points from Pedersen. Uh, you get no points uh, towards the standings, but I think that's what a lot of people are looking onto right now. It's like, get some goals from Kuzmenko. Have Pedersen continue on that race to 100 points. That's going to be an exciting positive moving forward. But, you know, let it roll and kind of take some losses. And as you can see from the game flow chart here uh, from Natural Statric on YouTube, that second period was a very good period for Team Tank. You saw the the Coyotes absolutely take over that game. They ended up having something like 16, uh, let me get this right, 16 scoring chances in the second period at 5-on-5. 
compared to the Canucks having just four. Like they, they really, that second period was one where I've had this happen a lot lately watching Canucks games, especially when I'm at home. Like, cause when I'm at the game, you can, you know, you can, it's pretty hard to like just kind of let the periods pass by. But that game last night, like that second period, that flew by. That felt like I blinked a couple times and we were off into the intermission. Like, uh, we're going to see a few of those periods here and there. And I think Rick Tocca wasn't very happy with the team's play. Uh, throughout the game felt like it was a little bit of a sleepy performance from them. And I think you really saw that in the second period. But overall, like the Canucks in a tight game like that, the power play going over five is the reason they lost. And that's too bad because I think the power play is something I want to spend a little bit of time on here. I'm curious what's um, what's kind of worrying you about the power play. They've been slowing up quite a bit. Like we can remember them being a top 10 power play in the league for a long time. You know, since Rick Tockett's come in, it has not been – uh, a top 10 power play in the NHL. I think they've been struggling a little bit. I'm just not sure where it's coming from. Like, I, I think they're doing a little bit of different movement with certain players, right? Like, it looks like Kuzmenko's now kind of the guy in the left half wall. Looks like they're trying to get Besser going in the bumper. It just feels like not a lot of that is working well. Like, Kuzmenko, I, I say this a lot, and if you watch pregame, if you go to the pregame at Rogers Arena and you watch Kuzmenko, before he gives a stick away to a fan, because he does that every freaking game, he stands in front of the net like with Quinn Hughes not that far away from him, and he tips pucks, and I swear to God, he never misses. He tips every single puck that's, like, shot from Quinn Hughes, and it's it's remarkable to watch. Watch it next time you're at pregame. Just watch Kuzmenko do this. It's it's incredible to watch. I'm wondering why he's been taken out of that spot. Like, they want to get him going, I guess, with the shot a little bit on the left side, but really, he's at his best with those tap-ins and not necessarily just his skill alone. It's his intelligence of understanding where Patterson likes to pass the puck and likes to make some of those plays. So I think that's the first thing you got to do is you got to get Kuzmenko back to the net front and maybe get JT Miller back down on that forehand side on the left half wall. Cause I don't think that's, that's working right now with the power play. Corey Anderson in the YouTube live chat brings up a good point here. He says they need to move around, stop standing around playing pass with Quinn Hughes. Kind of what it looks like. Like when you're watching it, that is kind of what it looks like this power play is doing a lot of now. Look, is there any part of you, Chris, because you just mentioned it, Kuzmenko on the half wall, um, you know, they're trying to activate his shot a little bit more. Is there any part of you that's looking at this and saying, you know what, they know one thing works, but it's not about wins at this time of year. And this team is trying to uh, experiment with something new, something that they think could work out long term. Like maybe they just want to get Besser back on that first power play unit. I, I, I don't know what it could be. Um, I think we know what works and we know that what they're doing right now maybe doesn't work, but maybe they want what they're doing now to work long-term. I I hate giving these takes of the, oh, maybe they're just galaxy braining it. Maybe they're tricking everybody and they're going to do the opposite of what we think they're doing. Um, I I hate saying that, but you know, it, it doesn't make much sense to change up the power play, see it do worse and then not really go back to what works. Right. Yeah. I think I could bite on that. If Quinn Hughes didn't play 29 minutes last night, Right, like if this was actually the training camp stuff that they've talked about, and you were starting to see some of the players really be spread out and some other names hopping into power play one, I could buy it. Right, like, but it's to me that's not going down the same path of this whole training camp situation because that's not the way this team's being deployed right now. So I, I understand where you're coming from, but I also think that maybe a lot of those other things to try out uh, are more things at five on five and kind of sticking to the structure. It feels weird to me to just like really try to like the same five bodies, but in a different position when it felt like the power play was working and the thing that you was that was working really the best was Kuzmenko as a net front tipping everything in and it's kind of it that's a weird one to go away from in my eyes uh I've got an idea to get to a little bit later in the show but uh I did want to bring up Brock Besser real quick too because like the dude cannot buy a goal I really like the way he's playing like I really like the way that he's playing I like the way that uh he's actually attacking a net and getting shots off whether it be from the bumper or just a guy who's you know, putting his head down and going to the crease to create offense. I think he's doing a lot of that lately. He just can't buy a goal right now, man. Like the amount of posts he's hit lately, the amount of times he's missed the net, I guess he just got to bear down a little bit on that shot. Uh, And I think once he gets a couple here, I tweeted it last night, like nobody on this team's like more deserving of like a two goal game where they get a couple bounces than Brock Besser, right? Like he needs, he deserves a bounce because I really think he's doing good process in the offensive zone and the defensive zone. I just think he's got to get rewarded here at some point, kind of in a similar way. Like I mentioned, Bavilia yesterday, uh, he picked up a pair of assists. I think he's been playing really good too. Nice to see him get rewarded with a pair of apples last night. And I think with with Besser, I think the goals have to come. 
Like, I really think they have to come. I know that he only had the five shots over that five-game win streak. That's not great. Those numbers have to go up. But I really think the process that he's doing is is well. Like, I do think the process behind the way that Brock Besser is playing is going to be something that he gets rewarded for pretty soon here. Is well. Uh, is good, I think you meant there. You're both, hey, we're both brain. tired, man. You're recovering from your sickness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain's not great. Uh Karen N in the chat jumped in and said, maybe try a guy like Pods as the net front. I really like it. Like, look, how long have we been saying, let this guy kill penalties, let him let him get some power play opportunity. This is the time to do it. And, uh, you know, Dominic in the chat as well, when I was uh, giving my galaxy brain take, said, Quads, put your tinfoil hat on. Our staff doesn't think that far. Yeah, probably not, especially in the middle of a five-game win streak. So there's probably uh, no chance that what I threw out there is actually what's going on. But... I'd like to see that go on. Like, I'd like to see hey. them think about, you know, long term, <laughs> long term. Like, you know, what can we, what can we do next year with this power play? What's it going to look like next year? And again, Vasily Pod Colson is probably going to be a guy that's a fixture uh, on that power play. One thing from this game, Chris, and if, if you want to, you can continue the conversation if you want to. But one thing from this game that I really want to talk about is it probably means Aiden McDonough's getting in, right? Like, hey. Aiden McDonough's got to get in tomorrow night against los angeles right like he has to at this point maybe but think about it back to backs i got sunday at five o'clock let me tie this into the power play then right so listen Aiden mcdonough obviously a good shooter good one-timer great release it's power plays where he's gonna score what do you think about Aiden mcdonough just you know going back to the power play that they had before with Aiden mcdonough and bo horvat spot right like give him all the opportunity in the world to succeed like, put JT Miller back on the left half wall, put Kizmenko in the net front, put Pedersen on his right in the Petter zone, you know, get Quinn Hughes on the point, and then have McDonough in that slot so you can have that lefty-to-lefty, you know, left half wall to bumper pass that's there that Bo Horvat obviously ripped up. Like, put McDonough there for practice, feed him 100 passes from JT Miller, and then just let it go into the game. Like, put this kid in the best position to succeed because winning and losing doesn't matter, and that's the type of thing that you mentioned earlier. Like, maybe they're trying things on the power play. If they do something like that, then I'm like, okay, they're trying things on the power play. He's not going to be a guy who's going to start next season on the first power play unit unless he goes on the first power play unit this season and is just incredible there. Like, let him use his best strength to the highest ability. That's on the first power play unit in that bumper position. Like, let him do it. So you're like, why not? The power play just went 0 for 5 against the Coyotes, the freaking Coyotes. Like, I think you got to try that. I think that that is the best spot to give McDonough the the best chance for, you know, having success in this NHL season where I I think it's going to be very difficult for him to have success. It's a big jump coming from the NCAA to the NHL. He's going to try and make it. But if you put him in that spot, like, wow, give him, you know, get get his best skill, which I think is an NHL shot, NHL release, NHL one-time or everything. Put him with NHL players on a power play and see if you can kind of see some success there. I'd love to see the big fella rip some shots from the bumper. Like, he's a big body, man. He's going to be hard to move out of the bumper position by forwards who are trying to cover the half wall and the point. Like, you can find that mushy middle there in the bumper when you're six foot two, six foot three. Like, McDonough's a big dude. He can, he can set up in that spot, and you know that he has the release. He normally does it from the right half wall. I think he could make that adjustment to get that shot off from the slot, too, because that's a spot where he scored a lot at five on five. Like I said, when we were talking about McDonough earlier, he can rip the puck from anywhere and he can do it with very little time. He can do it from basically any angle. I love that idea. Like, I I absolutely love that idea. Uh, I'd love to see them do it. You're not going to get any pushback or any sort of counter argument there. I would love to see this team do that. Uh, Don't think they will, to be quite honest with you, but Mm. it would be nice to see for sure. Okay. Uh, busy weekend ahead here. Uh, back to back. I want to talk goaltending uh, to the surprise of absolutely nobody. How do you split these starts? Like, 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 what are you doing this weekend with the goaltending? Yeah, probably, probably Demko Saturday, right? I, I think you go back to Demko on Saturday. It's just Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night games. You, you normally give those to your starter, right? I, I look at it as a pretty simple equation here it's going to be Demko on Saturday and I don't care if he gets a shutout and makes 95 saves or if he gets a shutout and makes one save and are you going to get mad at me because I said shutout the day before because I know you don't like that word I'm not apparently allowed to use it ever I think that's a pretty simple equation here you put Demko in on Saturday you play Delia uh, on Sunday there but it'll be curious to see what happens with Spencer Martin here too right like he's he, he had a really good game in the AHL his last game 
Uh, he's had some up and down games. I know it's uh, it's been a struggle for him mentally down there, but I think he's working on some things. I'm curious when we get a chance to uh, see Martin because they're not. It's not a. Uh, it's not Seelov's getting the starts down there anymore full time, right? It's like Spencer Martin is. Uh, I don't want to say a priority, but he's been getting a lot of starts down there in the AHL and with back to backs this weekend for the AHL team. It's not like Seelov's uh, going to pick up a couple more. So it, the story to follow on uh, Spencer Martin, I don't think it's done for this season either. Yeah, no, they're, they're trying to rebuild his game. I've said it before. Uh, I'll say it again. They're going to be giving Spencer Martin some starts. I don't think it's going to be the bulk of starts. I think they're going to continue kind of splitting starts down there. Uh, obviously, Seelovs before was just running away with it because the Canucks, Abbotsford Canucks basically didn't have a backup goaltender. So I ask you this. You brought him up. Seelovs Canucks play tonight, Friday, March 17th, at home against the Ontario Reign, uh, the LA Kings farm team, oddly enough. Saturday night, uh, same thing. They play the Ontario Reign, Sunday Canucks are in Anaheim. Is that enough time to call up Archer Seelovs, get him on a plane to Anaheim, and let him start uh, that game against Anaheim at 5 o'clock? I like that. Artie likes it, but no, that's not a good... Uh... That's not a good move. You, you play them at home when you have home games in Abbotsford and you have Vancouver at home and you make it happen like that. You don't make the travel to travel starts for him. I don't think you do that. So uh, I think you, I think Seelovs, I don't even know if Seelovs will start tonight in Abbotsford, to be honest. Like I said, it, it's been a thing where Spencer Martin, when they're both there, he started over Seelovs. So it's not like a, a for sure thing moving forward here that's going to be Seelovs. I'm curious if that's something about this sort of being a conditioning stint type of thing for Spencer Martin where they need him to play a certain amount of games but in my eyes yeah I'd be uh I'd be shocked to see the Seelaws train uh roll down to Anaheim on uh on Sunday there I think he's gonna play I, I have a feeling he'll start Saturday for the average let me have team, this by the way. just let me have this <laughs> Yes, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. I think you're right. It's going to be Delia. I also, I also like the idea of putting Delia in against Anaheim because you really don't want that win. Like hey. you really, if you, if there's a tank loss, that's the one you want to lose that game against Anaheim. I think they still have like three games left against Anaheim or two. I'm not exactly sure. Um, so you, you definitely want to lose that game against Anaheim for the tank efforts, of course. Okay. Um, anything else that you want to get to? What a, what a quick episode this has been so far. No, no, no. I just want to get to the, ver- the uh, reverse standings here. Now the Canucks uh, sitting at the eighth worst record in the – that's a really hard one to say. Eighth worst. Uh, say that. That's one of those uh, things you do in broadcasting. You say it five times before you go on air or something. Um, right, anyways, Canucks, their uh, eighth worst team in the uh, in the NHL. Six point – no, 6.0% odds to win the lottery right now. This is where you want to stick. You don't want to drop further down than eighth. If you can get to five, then you're laughing. I like that. Uh, but the draft lottery looking good today. Let's get to um, the busy weekend like we talked about it. Quinn Hughes, I mentioned, played 28-56 of ice time in this last game just yesterday. They're heading into the weekend back-to-backs. Very curious to watch the ice time there, right? Like that's – this is going to be inter- – it's two games basically played within 24 hours, right? Like you'll, you'll be finished that Sunday game within 24 hours pretty much of just finish, of just starting the game before – uh, on Saturday night, I- I'm very curious to see how the ice time is used with Quinn Hughes here because I think this is the real first. I don't even know what to call it. Like hurdle, almost want to call it like the amazing race is a little pit stop here. Like how many minutes are we going to see from Quinn Hughes in this in this back to back situation? Uh, like I think we've made a pretty big deal of it. I think a lot of people podcasting or doing radio or TV have made a pretty big deal about the ice time, and I think it's fair, right? Like it's fair. He played twenty eight fifty six last night, so it's not like we're just bringing up this point to bring up this point. Dude played tw- like nearly twenty nine minutes, and I will give it this eight eight minutes and nine seconds of that was on the power play. So that's a lot of time on the power play as well. Those are normally pretty easier minutes to play for sure. But with the back to backs on the weekend, I think uh, I'm very curious to see what the main topic that we have on Monday is, and it might be. Is the ice time still a problem after watching back-to-backs where Quinn Hughes, you know, potentially could be like over 27, 28 minutes in both these games? And that would be that would be a mistake, I think, right? Like, I'm not an NHL coach, but I can I feel like that's a mistake. I feel like I'm pretty confident saying that uh, with the back-to-backs and the way that this season's been going, how everything's kind of been trending. I, I think the ice time is something we might end up having is like the first thing to talk about on Monday, even though it's a topic that's been mentioned a lot over the past few weeks here. 
Oh, absolutely. And you just, you think about it from this perspective, Chris, like, yeah, you're not an NHL coach, but we, we've seen guys go down with injuries down the stretch run, especially when they're playing as much as Quinn Hughes is right now. And that's what this team absolutely doesn't need. And I know goaltending is a totally different position. Um, but look, we saw Thatcher Demko go down late in the season last year and, you know, he had a late start to his off season and we saw what that does. I just, I, I don't want to ha- want to see a world where Quinn Hughes has a later start or anything potentially jeopardizes um his start next year so uh, again you you have to see the ice time come down this weekend you just have to yeah i completely agree with that i did want to do some ahl stuff uh real quick here i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh, before we get out, because it's a busy weekend, you mentioned it, for both teams, right? You got back-to-backs for Abbotsford tonight and tomorrow. Vancouver back-to-backs uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Wanted to bring up some of the stats here. Um... I do want to quickly kind of talk about Linus Carlson, right? Where I think I'm at the point right now where I'd be very surprised to not see him get some NHL games, but I'm kind of curious how they're going to feed him into some some ice time, right? Like it's not like they can they, – they have so many wingers that it's going to even be strange to see Aiden McDonough get into the lineup, but I think Linus Carlson's got to get in here pretty soon. He's got 43 points now in 60 games, 19 goals for him. He's now leading the team, finally passed Lane Peterson, who was you know ripping it up in the uh, 22 games that he played. Uh, but Carlson's up to now 145 shots on net through 60 games, so it's been really good to see him produce at that rate. I also wanted to bring up this stat from Danila Klimovich. Say what you want about the plus-minus. He's a plus-10, Danila Klimovich is this year. Like, Klimovich has been very much doing a, a good job of actually being committed to the process lately, it feels like. Like, I don't think he's getting a lot of the offensive production that you would hope for. I think a lot of that is also because Arshit Baines is not on his line anymore. Like he's been Klimovich himself has been moved down the lineup a little bit to play in more of a role like that is a typical fourth line, which isn't really where you want him. But like he's skating with Vinny Arsenault and Chase Waters on a fourth line. You're not going to see as much offense as kind of the chemistry that was there between Baines, Waters and Klimovich. So you've seen the offense drop a little bit, but to me, like I do think it's kind of just because he's not playing with his as offensive linemen, right? Like uh, his line mates, I mean, they're not as as offensive as kind of what you've seen in the past. But he is still like committed to the process. Like I do think he's back checking a lot harder. He's a lot more engaged defensively. His forecheck is really something that I think, like if his forecheck grows to a very high level and continues to grow, like I I do think that when he's on his game, he has a very good forecheck. He's got a long reach, big body, not afraid to be physical. If he can end up doing that and getting really good at that. And then just have his shot as like the, you know, the hidden kind of weapon that he has in his game. Like he could be an effective guy to play in the NHL in a bottom six if he's just playing like that. So I I think it's going to be interesting to watch him grow here a little bit. I got a seagull outside my window and it's staring right at me. Sorry. Uh, distracted a little bit there, but, uh, with, with Klimovich, it was just like eyeing me up. Uh, but anyways, uh, I think camera three, yeah, no camera camera three three might've missed it there real quick. He was right on the ledger. Kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, 
So I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with Klimovich. I do think that, like, the guy's got to get some power play time, right? Like, he's not getting time on the first unit or the second unit. I really think with a, with a shot that dynamic, you got to give him time, right? There it goes right there. You just caught it at the end there, uh, that freaking seagull. But uh, you got to get him some power play time, I think. Uh, I get that you want him to, like, earn it, and I really think he has. Like, I think he should be rewarded a little bit for the process uh, of him just playing good defense and actually being committed to the structure that I would let him go wild a little bit on the power play. Still a little surprised to not see him there. Uh, and we'll get the stats up there one more time because uh, Niels Huglander now up to 17 points over his last 17 games. He's playing some of his best hockey. He's another one who it's like, how are you going to fit this winger into the NHL lineup? Like, it, it's so strange to think about that. Like, the Canucks need to really make some moves with the wings because, like, in the offseason here, you know, you're going to have Mikheyev coming back next year. You're going to have McDonough in the mix. You're going to have Niels Huglander who wants to get up there like Linus Carlson. It's wild to think about how much depth they actually have on the wing that has potential to be like a middle six winger. Like they have a lot of guys there. They really need to move on. Cause I really think Carlson's earned a shot. Uh, Niels Huglander, I think has done more than earn a shot. He should be back in the NHL. He'd be playing, you know, on a third line on a lot of NHL teams right now. He just can't do it with the Vancouver Canucks, which is kind of surprising in its own right. Uh, and I did want to bring out our, Arch- our Baines one more time as well. Uh, you can see he's got the 31 points in 55 games this year. Just, Man, carving out a hell of a rookie season in the AHL. Let's like let's not forget this kid led the WHL in scoring. That doesn't, you know, that's not just a stat that a twenty year old automatically gets every year. You got to put in the work. You got to be good offensively. You gotta, you got to be a hell of a player to to lead the WHL in scoring. I mean, he's smart as hell, obviously, and he's figuring out the AHL. I think pretty handedly. Like, you know, Baines went into the off season, went into a cocoon, came out a butterfly, way better defensively has some good two-way play that he kind of always had from the smarts. It wasn't a difficult thing for him to transition uh, to the to the AHL. Really love the way that he's playing, and I like that he's moving up and down the lineup a little bit. I think he could go all the way up to play with a guy like Niels Huglander and see what he looks like because he hasn't really had the top six opportunity yet, but he's looked hella good as a, as a bottom six player so far this season. Okay, one guy on the NHL team that I want to talk about uh, who I was impressed with last night, Chris, Vitaly Kratsov. I thought he was very good, and every time we talk about him, it feels like the next question is, okay, but if you're trying to make the playoffs next year, where does this guy fit in, right? Because we we assume he probably doesn't want to go down to the AHL, right? If if history uh, is to serve as any indication, he probably doesn't want to go down to the AHL. So I ask you this because he was featured pretty heavily in last night's Stanchies over at CanucksArmy.com. He was good on the boards. Uh, You know, he showed that north-south style. You know, he showed some poise with the puck. Where does Vitaly Kratsov fit in this lineup? Well, that's, you know, we just said it. Like, how many wingers? Like, I forgot to even mention him, right? Like, this team has so many wingers, they just have to move on from some. They kind of have to move on from a Garland, a Besser, or, you know, maybe even like a Pod Colson or a Huglander. Like, they're going to have to move on from one of these players. They can't. You simply can't have like 10 NHL caliber wingers on your team and just like roll with that and have such weakness on the defense and at center. You're not, teams can't be built that way. It's starting to really show with this Vancouver Canucks team as well. So um, I don't know. I I, I like Kravtsov. I've really liked him. No, I wouldn't say that. I've liked him enough up to this point. It's not like he's been excellent. I can see that there's some potential there that I really think would be great, and I think that him playing alongside Vasily Podkolzin is probably where you're going to see some of the best of their play. So, yeah, he's another name, but it's this is, to me, this is like a major thing to address in the offseason is you've got so many damn wingers, man. Like, I don't know what, what you're going to do, how you're going to move them. You're, you're kind of going to have to move some of these players for a loss almost, right, or at least a loss of what their hopeful value could have been. It's more of an offseason thing for me, but yeah, with Kratsov, I've like I liked him, right? Like, I think he he's a big body. Uh, you, you're right with the north-south scheme that he has. I think that's been pretty good so far this season. But it's not like he's blown the doors off either, right? Like, he hasn't really looked like he should be given top six time yet. He's just kind of fit in and looked like an acceptable bottom six player up to this point. And at that, an acceptable bottom six winger, right? Like, that's that's a difficult thing uh, for Kraftsoff up to this point is he hasn't shown enough to to be for sure getting an opportunity in your top six. 
a uh, few people to get to in the live chat here. Uh, Dominic said, Vit needs his first goal to explode. He's doing so many great things and is a huge factor on his lines. Commander Vander said, Krav is consistently getting shots from good scoring areas. It will eventually start to go in. Uh, and Canucks need right-handed defensemen said, he just needs a better center. Dries isn't it. And Corey Anderson talking about how the win uh, is quite obviously a win. Uh, or the trade, excuse me, is quite obviously a win with uh, Will Lockwood in a seventh round pick going the other way to the Rangers. Here's here's a question for you. I, I wanted to bring this up earlier in the show, but like something just hit me last night where I said, hey, the Canucks shouldn't like ultra focus in on a player type when they're going to acquire some players this offseason. They should really have a bunch of different options and go for the best player available for value, right? Like whether it be a center that's going to kind of be on your third line, whether it be like a left shot D to play with Philip Ronick or a right shot D to play with Quinn Hughes, like find the best value at one of those three positions. Like don't hyper focus in on needing a guy who's going to be a third line center who's good defensively and can take face offs. Like, cause that, it doesn't always work out, especially with a player going to a new organization. Like I would look for the best value of like one of those three positions of need. Whether it be a top four defenseman who's more defensively and plays on the left side, a top four right shot defenseman who you really don't need to be that good to play with Quinn Hughes, or like a third line center who, you know, can be somewhat of a playmaker and be good defensively. Like, don't hyper focus, I don't think, in the offseason. I think just like find the best value there. The Canucks aren't at the point right now to hyper focus. Like, that's what I think's hurt them a little bit in the past. Like, and a lot of that was more Jim Benning making and some horrible player assessment. But I, I think that's something you might see from this management group, just not necessarily like need one exact type player. Like if you need a right shot defenseman, you don't need to go onto the market and get Tyler Myers for six years, right? You don't need to, to do that. Like I think just find value because it's something we've talked about a lot. Like value is so key for the NHL right now, especially under this specific salary cap that we're under. Like I, I think just finding value is where you need to go with this team, not necessarily focusing in on the perfect player type to help this team right now. They they need so much more than that that you can't hyper-focus right now. A lot of times that's how you end up making mistakes, right? Like you you need to target the value. You can't really make it obvious. And I know it's hard for the Canucks not to given their position, but you have to not make it obvious that, hey, you know what? We really need a third-line center or we really need a defenseman on the right side and we'll pay anything to get him. You know, you, you, you just can't build a winning organization like that. Like you can't build a winning team uh, in the NHL that way. It just that's just not how it works. So, yeah, no disagreement there. I mean, you you uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you're talking about talent evaluation, because look like how many times do we bring it up the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Like I, I think I brought them up two days ago on the show that left side that they had in the playoffs when they were winning cups like it was much better than their right side, but they realized, okay, maybe we don't need a really good lefty and followed by a really good righty, then a really good lefty followed by another good righty. It's, okay, maybe we need three really good left-handed defensemen and one solid, really solid, obviously, right-handed defenseman, and that can make up our uh, our cup-winning defense core. Like, that yeah. that's the lesson that you take away from that. And it's, they didn't hyper-focus on filling out right-handed defense slots. They hyper-focused on getting that value, literally what you just said. And here's the thing. They just, the Vancouver Canucks just hyper-focused on a right D by moving a first and second round pick for him, right? Like you can't double down and double down and double down on those type of moves and think, okay, we're willing to, you know, buy out OEL so that we can spend $5 million on, you know, insert right D here because he's going to be the perfect fit, right? It was like the people back in the day that were like, Ben Hutton and Eric Branson. That's the pairing. It's got the offensive guy. It's got the big defensive guy. It's going to work. It's going to be great. That's our pairing. You know, that's a top four pairing moving forward. Like a lot of the times these things just don't work. I really think that um, it is going to be interesting. And here's the good thing I think about this whole spot is I do believe the Canucks have done a very good job of evaluating at a pro level, right? Like they've done a good job of doing this and just typically finding some value. Like, Think about the spots where they have actually found value. Obviously, Andre Kuzmenko, incredible value for that player. But you could look at Dakota Joshua. There's a lot of value coming from that player as well. Luke Shen in the contract he signed. There was value there with what he brought to the team. There's a lot of little things that have added a lot of value from the most recent kind of scouting that this pro group has done. And I don't think it's going to stop right now, and I don't think it's going to stop in the offseason. So I am a little bit optimistic about the players that they bring in to help this team, but it's not like they need to 
hyper fixate on certain positions, right? Like, and really just take a trade. Like I hated hearing that a lot of the time with the Bo Horvat thing where it's like, yes, but they want a young center to come in and replace. It's like, no, don't, don't do that, man. Just, just end up like taking the best thing available. Like because Atiratu was in the trade, is that why the Canucks wanted to do the deal with the Islanders? Cause we know there was other teams interested. Like, could you get more value somewhere else? Cause I really think this team just needs so much surplus value right now that that's what they should be targeting in the off season. Target surplus value. Don't target a player type. Well, I mean, we kept hearing that. I think you might have talked, might be talking about the JT Miller trade rumors that was, was, oh, the Canucks need a young center back or they're not going to trade JT Miller. And apparently that was kind of what fell through with the Penguins uh, or so we're told. So you're right. Like there's no disagreement coming from me here. But one thing I want to talk about, Chris, because we have a little time here. It's in odds and ends. We got some time. I want to talk about Andre Kuzmenko a little bit because uh, ties Pavel Bure's record last night for most goals uh, by a Russian-born Canuck in his first season with the club. Look, this guy's production, we were waiting for it to fall off a little bit. We saw the high shooting percentage, and I think that's why we were both pretty critical of handing out an extension. Granted, we also thought the team should rebuild and all that sort of stuff. There was other things in it, but I will I will say myself, like I, you, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think I might have been wrong about that one, about the whole uh, trade Kuzmenko. If you're not going to rebuild, and clearly this team isn't going to, if you're not going to rebuild, you have to you 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 have to keep a guy like that, right? Like if you're if you trust your pro scouting enough, and you trust what you're seeing on the ice enough, which the Canucks obviously did with Kuzmenko, you have to you have to give out that extension. And like, look, if he keeps this up over a full 82 game season and it looks like he's going to going into next year as well like his value is going to be even higher like we we talked about how oh he's such a unicorn like teams are going to be able to add him for such a low cap hit look a guy who's consistently going to score 40 goals in the league if he if he reaches that this year and he's on that pace next year at next year's deadline if you want to you get a king's ransom for a guy scoring 40 goals that's on five and a half million dollars of course the Canucks would be hoping that at that point they're able to make the playoffs off of that kind of production from one of their forwards, uh, let alone at least two or three. Um, but my point here is that his value is absolutely going to be higher next year if he keeps this up. And he's he's not showing any shines of stopping. Is it, though? Like, is Absolutely. I don't think absolutely. so. I don't... I, listen, how many... So out of the top 50 goal scorers in the NHL... Kuzmenko's the only guy who is above 22% shooting. He's at 27%, right? Like, I, that's not sustainable. He's 27.9% shooting percentage. It's it's not going to be You've been saying that all year, though. No, that's I know, but it, that's You've the been thing. saying that all year. Right, and you can have a year where you're in the high 20s. But, you know, there there's a reason why Jack Hughes has a 13% shooting percentage this year, right? Like, there there's, like, Alexander Ovechkin, 14%. Like these players aren't going to live at twenty eight percent all season long because Manko's not going to have an NHL career where he shoots at twenty eight percent, and, and I, I think he's been excellent. Sure. I think he does a lot of really good things right to have that shooting percentage be boosted. Like those those tap ins from behind the net, listen, that's gonna that's gonna augment to your your shooting percentage a ton throughout the season. But it, it, I I don't know. I, I I think he's been really good. I think he's really smart, but. There's going to be teams that know what he's about in his second year. They're going to kind of really key in on those things. I, I think there's going to be a learning process around it. I hope that his learning process of the game is even at a higher level because then, yeah, maybe he'll even be more successful. But we've seen this with rookies a lot, and I know that he's not technically a rookie. He's a first-year player. But, man, the 28% shooting percentage, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be something we see over his next two years of this contract. So if a 28 shoot, 28 shooting percentage brings him to 40 goals, okay? Let's say he drops down to 22 or he drops down to 19, whatever, and he puts in 30 or whatever. He takes more shots. I'm just saying that if his production keeps up, like his counting stats, his raw totals, if this keeps up, and look, we've been talking about the shooting percentage all season long. I'm done talking about it. I know it's probably going to come down, but it hasn't yet. And I used it as a reason of, well, they should trade him while his value is high. It's not coming down. It hasn't come down. I, I don't see anything in his game that's showing me that, oh, well, that's for sure going to come down. Like, it might come down a bit, sure. But he's also a high-value shooter. Like, he doesn't take shots from very low percentage areas. Look at Connor Garland, for example, not to pick on a player. But last night, 
How many shots did he just float on net? Yeah, yeah your shooting percentage is going to be better when you score goals. Who would you rather have on your team? The guy who converts on more of his shots? And look, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm making it sound like I don't understand how shooting percentage and analytics and all that works. I do. But I'm also saying when you watch him play, he's not taking many low percentage shots. Like he's not shooting just from the blue line just to get a shot on net. He doesn't often shoot for rebounds. He doesn't often, uh, you know, like, yeah, he doesn't often shoot for rebounds. He's usually shooting to finish it off and shoot to f- shoot to score. That's what Kuzmenko does. Now, my point, Chris, is just that if this production keeps up or even if it takes a slight step back, but he's still a consistent 30 goal scorer in the NHL and he's making $5.5 million next year, absolutely his value is going to be sky high. If he does this over a season and a half going into next year's trade deadline and he has another year of team control at $5.5 million, I don't think there's a contender out there that isn't looking at paying a King's ransom to Adam at next year's deadline. Yeah. If he keeps his 28% shooting percentage or scores 30 or even goes down to like 25 or 23%. Like I said, Hey, if he's down to 22% shooting percentage, like I said, he would be the, still the highest of the top 50 goal scorers this year. If he was sitting at 22%, that's a, a big drop from what he's doing right now. If he's still at that level, then hell yeah. Like if he's able to maintain a, a shooting percentage above 20% for his NHL career. Hell yeah. He'd be a great player. I just think it's very difficult. It's something that the best players in the league can't do year after year, no matter how good of a scorer they are, no matter how good of a shooter they are, no matter how good of a, you know, Leon Dreisaitl type of guy who has so many tap-ins. It's a similar thing there, right? Like he's going to have, he's has one of the higher shooting percentages of the top 50 scorers, but he's still going to drop under 20 at certain points. And I think that's something you will see from Kuzmenko over the next two years. I think that he should just shoot more, to be honest with you. Like, his shooting percentage probably will drop, but it's also because he doesn't shoot enough. Like, I I don't think Andre Kuzmenko shoots enough. He has a really, really good wrister, and I I don't think he uses it enough. Like, I I don't think he shoots enough. I would like to see him start to take more shots, personally. And hey, we're talking about a guy who's probably going to finish the year with 40 goals. I... I, I just, I, I think he's a good player. That's all I'm going to say. I think he's a yep. good player. I think he's someone this team probably wants to have around. And if, if bleep goes south next year, obviously he's still an option to trade. And I think his value is going to be higher. So if your plan of a retool works and you're able to make the playoffs next year and your team poised to make the playoffs and all that good stuff, sure, keep him around. But if, if like I said, if bleep goes south, uh, this team can move on from him and they're going to be able to get more, I think, than they would have at this deadline. Yeah, it'll be curious to see what happens at not necessarily like the deadline for next season, but the year after that, like when he's a pending UFA, what's the salary cap? How much are we still strapped for teams making moves with no money? Like if a team would have been, and that's the thing, right? Like I guess a lot of teams were probably looking at Kuzmenko and having 20 goals before the deadline and thinking, yeah, he's playing with Patterson. He's getting a lot of tap-ins. His shooting percentage is very high, right? Like our our team's still thinking the same about a player like that when he's making five and a half. That's a lot more money for a team to try and fit into their team, especially when you're going after a winger who primarily is known for power play tap-ins and not necessarily being a play driver, right? Like that, that is, there's absolutely an argument, I think, to what you're saying. I just, uh, I, I'm just going to find it very difficult. I would love to see him do well. I love, you know, love dealing with the player, love seeing him have success, Uh I just I think it's going to be very difficult, uh, not only to keep this up, but to keep this up also, you know, for two full seasons from now, from this point on, uh, have a high shooting percentage, be able to be worth the money that you're going to be on your term. Like it, it's a big thing to ask here moving forward. And then even if they want to keep Kuzmenko after that year, like you know, it's a lot of money too. So I think that's the thing about the Kuzmenko extension. The thing that we didn't really consider the whole time was, hey, this is legitimately a retool. Right, like they they want to win in that Kuzmenko window of that five point five million dollar contract. That's why they signed him to that deal. The Canucks want to win, you know, be a playoff team that's contending in that Kuzmenko window. Like that's the window for winning right now for this Canucks team. The way everything's been kind of laid out here and the players that they've brought in and moved out really points to the next two years being competitive. Like as much as we wanted a retool, it's not going to happen or a rebuild. It's not going to happen. It's a retool and they're banking on these next two years of Kuzmenko being huge. So yeah, he's got to score. He's got to continue to play like he's been playing. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Okay, do you have anything else in odds and ends, or yeah. are we going to Betway? Uh, I'll do this quickly. Uh, SHL playoffs are underway. Cool story out of Sweden. Uh, Vancouver Canucks prospect Lucas Forsell. We know him, friend of the show. Uh, and Philip Johansson, friend of a friend of the show. Uh, they're matched up against each other in the quarterfinals of the SHL playoffs. If you remember, we've talked about this with Forsell. Uh, he grew up with Philip Johansson's little brother. They were best friends. They lived 100 meters away from each other. Uh, good kids played a lot of... Uh, a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, you know, road hockey, all that stuff. They've been playing together forever, uh, and they're matched up against each other. How about this though? So three minutes into the game of the SHL game, blow me up here, Alex. Three minutes into this game, heck of a one, heck of a game, big matchup, and here it is. Our buddy Lucas Forcell. There he is. One nothing. Far just died. A couple of slashes on the boards from him, and quads. Why did he score that goal? What was he doing? What is the thing that I love about Lucas Forcell? Goes to the net. Absolutely. He scores this goal because he's going straight to the net. Head down, go to the net, dig out a rebound. Good stuff from Lucas Forcell. We love to see it. Uh, and he got them on the board early. Last time I checked, it was 1-1. I haven't seen an update because I was doing a bunch of uh, prep for the show here and all that stuff. Uh, so they got their game, uh, and that'll be fun to watch. And then remember, can you get this photo up here, Alex, the Forcell champion? Lucas Forcell was uh, was there for Fargestown's playoff run last year. You can see left hand. He had the busted hand, so he wasn't playing, but he was able to be around the team, and they went on to win the SHL playoff championships. Uh, shout out to a family friend of his who sent me this photo. Uh, Forcell celebrating. He wants to do this again, but he wants to do it as a contributor instead of just a bystander. Is that the right way to use that? Yeah, as a bystander. He was there. He was he was in the locker room. He had a good time with the boys, but he wasn't uh, on the ice. So uh, he wants to do this again. He wants to celebrate, wear that gold helmet, have a good time. A couple of Baileys in the morning, like quads probably there in that photo. <laughs> All right, we're over time here. Let's go. Betway, get us out of here. Yeah, real quick with Betway. I threw it in there late. I'm not sure even sure if Alex even has it ready. Uh, really putting it on Alex today. Uh, all right, we got uh, Columbus and Anaheim. They are facing off tonight. Uh, I got Mason McTavish, anytime goal scorer, plus 250 on that. I feel good about that one. I think there's going to be some goals between these two bottom feeder teams. Good thing here is one of these teams is getting two points tonight. This is one you want overtime uh, for Team Tank because Team Tank is back in order. We'll get the video to close out. Uh, but I got Mason McTavish to score anytime, plus 250. $10 bets going to return you 35 And our second one, over 6.5 total goals in the game. And Trevor Zegras to pick up two points in tonight's game or more, plus 350 for that one. So let's hope for a lot of goals. Let's hope for an overtime game, three-point game, lots of stuff like that. Those are our Betway bets of the day. Please bet the responsible way. It must be 19-plus to play. Betway, 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 Betway. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, we got a big weekend ahead. Back-to-back games for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll be back on Monday to break it all down. Harmon's going to be here hopefully for two episodes next week. I was in on a Friday today, so hopefully uh, Harmon's able to do two next week. I think that's kind of the plan, so we'll see how it goes. But for now, we're signing off. For my co-host, Chris Faber, our technical producer, Alex Lard, my name's Dave Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.